about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. You know, so I know it says recording in progress. I'm like, hello. And I got to <laughs> oh, like, it's Friday the, again. <laughs> yeah, click, uh, you know, the pop up off because there's no way to like automatically say that. Yeah, I consent to recording because. Yeah. What else? But yeah, did you, read, did, you read, did you read these headlines that, that Zoom's new privacy policy update allows them to record everything and train an AI with it? Or no, yeah, I'm not sure if they record it, but I'm guessing they have to. Because mm -hmm. and, and I haven't clicked past the headline, so I do not understand in full the thing whether uh, they actually whether it's just no longer explicitly forbidden or whether they actually reserve the right to say whatever you say on a Zoom call now belongs to us and our robots. I don't know, but uh, I don't think it's verboten. I think the issue is if they are going to use AI, it has to, it better be an in-house AI that they created because if they use any licensed AI models, they still don't own it. It would be owned by whoever created the AI. Do you think the problem is funny? Yeah, a funny. The thing problem is that they automate your and my not jobs but hobbies by recording us and then doing a virtual flow and a virtual ash and a virtual fake underboss podcast. That would be. I awesome. mean, this is not our wheelhouse topic, but yesterday I heard a song by an international artist, they don't sing in English. Basically, it sounded like they covered another song. And I was like, this is fairly accurate. And they must have had yeah. so many voice models because it was a sound engineer who did this. And I was like, and this is also a very interesting gray area if you're going to do this shit. But yeah. Well, file that under compelling to lawyers. I don't know if they're in the audience, which by the way, should we say hello to the listeners and say welcome yes, to yes, this yes. episode of the Underlast podcast. Today we're we'll be discussing about finding faults. If you're unhappy about your marketing, why might that be the case? We'll get to that in a little bit because before we need to harken back to the previous episode a little bit, Ash, right? Yeah, about metrics and stuff. We're all rather measuring things because I think you've had the pleasure of dealing with people who said well we don't <laughs> i never uh... i never read the comments no i had a discussion about you be able you guys interesting model and all that but you were all about the wins and the revenue increases to which i was like yeah yeah i mean but doubt in my voice like isn't marketing supposed to do that but then they sort of they had a point they said well what about if objectives are different and it's more about brand or it's more about employer brands and hiring rates and so forth that's yeah, I don't funny know. that they say that because hiring rate, a rate itself is a measurement and metric, you know. I did that they might not have said that verbatim. They were all about employer brands and, and attracting. Yeah, and I mean, stuff. but anything can be measured. And here's the thing. Like yeah. if you're in a business that's involved in selling, you should be measuring against sales. Not that you shouldn't measure other stuff. It's just that would be a primary metric. Like, what are you trying to like? At the end of the day, if you're not making any sales, there's no point of your branding. <laughs> because let's be honest. Yeah. You're not going to be and funded. I mean, yeah, and I agree with your point. And if you point to there's a metric to it, I think that the fundamental principle behind the model we presented, and we did simplify it, I'll admit to yeah. that, but the principle still stands, which is that you should find ways to connect the leading indicators, which is the stuff you can measure quite relatively easily with yeah. a certain degree of accuracy in marketing, right? Mm -hmm. You should connect that to a lagging metric. And 
in the example we gave, those were things like pipeline, like one deals, like revenue. But if your game is brand, you might have to find a lagging indicator indicating brand strengths. And yes, yep. this is where it gets a bit mushy maybe, or you can have debates, but these things exist. There are, for example, financialized brand rankings, saying mm-hmm. how valuable your brand is. You, you can hire those service providers to assess yours, essentially. There, there are maybe ways of just running large-scale surveys to ask prospects in the market how they perceive your company, right? These types of things and see if you can improve against the baseline measurement there. Like all that stuff exists. And I mean, hiring, you you said it, that's easy. Just build a model that says, can we predict how many more CVs get submitted or how many of those are actually good enough to go to interview or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. You seem to agree. I don't want to no, it, I'm, not, I'm not. That's our answer, right? The model still no, stands. Yeah, we do need yeah. to get into the episode. But I, one last thing over this is that, at in a business, you do need to measure multiple things. But don't make the whole measurement just about your marketing effort. In the sense that you know, brand is not brand is. Let's say it assuages sales. It kind of helps and smoothens, but it doesn't make a sale, unless you're literally selling a products that people can buy in a package form and consume it in one way or the other because yeah the, because if you're providing a service it is continuous conversations relationship management and this requires the skill of selling and conversations so those need to be measured and while employer branding and like your branding and all of that's important and also needs to be measured just prioritize the right thing at the right time yeah. is what I'd say. And yeah. you actually said something which I fully agree with and I wanted to pull out again because the, yes, mar- like the brand doesn't belong to branding or to marketing for that matter. The brand is a result of everything the company does. Right? Yep. It's the perception your prospects or your clients have in the marketplace of the firm as a result of everything you do, which to a large part, like the, probably the majority of it is service delivery. We can run the best marketing campaigns in the world. If you mess up in delivery, the reputation will still be bad, right? <laughs> so, so there's that. And I mean, yeah, the a helpful thing I used to say a lot, and I might have said in the podcast is, best way to think about brand for a consulting firm is probably that it is your reputation amplified by the, the reach you can get, right? How many people are aware of the reputation you have. And that latter half there, I can totally see how marketing can influence that. But then again, it's not necessarily marketing alone. If you, for example, think about public relations or corporate comms that's not part of marketing, they play a huge role in, in getting the word out and all that stuff. And sorry, I feel like we, I'm getting okay, so getting on to our episode. We have yeah. an interesting one today, which is, I guess we can call it a fault finding exercise. Yeah, so maybe to bring the listeners along, I have this situation a lot. Like I learn, I still learn being a better consultant. So, so if consultancies come to me and say we feel like our marketing is not moving the needle much, we're unhappy with the returns of what we have invested here. I used to sometimes jump the gun and say, yeah, I can totally see why that is. You guys have a bad strategy because you don't fully understand how marketing could work for your firm. So I got to the end of the causal chain there in a second, and that then caused me to lose people because they didn't follow along that yeah. jump, right? It's, so yeah. 
Of course, the experienced consultants in the room here are rolling their eyes. It would have been better for me to sort of walk people through a causal a causal chain analysis or constraint analysis or whatever, okay. where they figure out the reasons behind certain things for themselves so they see the full picture at the end of it versus me just giving them the solution to the whole thing. So yeah. I thought we could discuss a little bit the those exact, like the prototypical causal chains. And I think they're very true, or this is a bit subjective again to mid-sized firms, although I would say I see a lot of this in large firms or larger practices as well. And I probably 110% of this is true in very small shops, but they are excused from this exercise a little bit because they typically don't have the resources, <laughs> but they don't have the marketing function, right, to, to fix it. But yeah. if someone comes to us and says, well, marketing performance feels bad or we're not hitting certain benchmarks or, you know, growing not fast enough, win rate not high enough, the clients we do win aren't profitable enough, whatever it is. So something feels off. And I would call that the symptoms. And then I ask for the first sort of layer of causes there. And I ask, okay, what when you say marketing, what, what do you do? What What's happening? How visible are you in the marketplace? How much visibility can you ensure? And I think you, you know the answer there, you know what that happened, what that leads to. Because we yeah. usually find that there's not very much and it is pretty inconsistent, right? I would say oh, it's yeah. really inconsistent because what they're going for doesn't really match yeah. So we did, we did, so does a webinar once, right? That type of client. So not just yeah. I'm kidding, but the point is, right? They can't sustain high frequency, high intensity sort of blogging program or social outreach or whatever the tactic is. They're struggling with running something effectively mm-hmm. over a sustained period of time, and so they they do run random bursts of marketing, and that results. And this would be the first root cause in our causal chain in low visibility, which is an effort. So then the question comes, okay, why are you guys struggling with this? Why is the visibility so low? And then they say, well, because of, you know, content is costly. Nobody has time for social, blah, blah, blah. I summarize. The answer is it's high effort to sustain these programs. That's why we can't do it. We have to be billable. You know, juniors have to be 40 hours a week. Our senior guys don't have time anyways, whatever, right? So the, the effort is too high. I don't know if you see that as well. No, I think we always see this. Sometimes it improves for a little while because the focus has changed. The focus changes due to like market factors, but then it comes back again once things settle. It's mostly because the needs alignment and that alignment often just doesn't happen because people are running different kinds of programs. And I think in this specific case, I do want to call out that one of the issues that happens is the go-to-market program doesn't necessarily match the marketing program because they're both going at different paces. And we did talk about, we will be talking about like how thought leadership and like large programs are not really, you know, immediate reaction stuff which we need a little more on yeah. a gorilla scale yeah, yeah. that's a good the good reference of the thought leadership program because to me that it would be the case example very often to not very well sustained efforts right going back to this low visibility you do a major lift piece you have this one piece of research and then there's a launch party and you do a bunch of social media and then the quarter is over and that's it all the budget all the energy has been spent and there's nothing left in q4 yeah. or whatever right so 
that that is very true. So, but why? Okay, so much effort. And then I ask, of course, and we are now at the fourth level of causal chain analysis. Why is the effort so high? And typically, we figure out that there is literally not much in terms of guardrails. So there's not much in terms of predefined. Who we talk, who do we talk to? What do we talk about? Which aspects do we focus on? So firms mm -hmm. spend a lot of time, especially small and mid-sized firms, spend a lot of time thinking about what they could be saying and this is a huge waste of time if you have to not reinvent the wheel but there's no guardrail so everybody seems everything seems like an interesting topic to pursue an interesting angle and i, I often hear this feedback where people say oh where should we even start with content strategy we have so many interesting things to talk about Cybersecurity is such a broad field well, why is it? Because you never establish any guardrails of which aspects to focus on yeah and this is essentially key and connected with your go-to-market because as we i guess we're still having to talk about the design and stuff so I'll, I'll leave it for that part no but you're right i mean that's the fifth level here of cost chain analysis is that there yeah. are no guardrails the efforts are high because there are no guardrails and there are no guardrails because you have not done what we did in the past episode the, the recent one sorry but measurement you have not designed a buying experience and an offering or a marketing funnel so to speak you're to basically optimize against right so you, yeah. how can you put guardrails in place or say oh these are the three topics we need to hammer home this fiscal because they work really well because you have no model to figure out whether or not they work well yeah and to so you're just your... throwing stuff at the wall and here the metaphor ends because you can't even see what sticks because you don't have a model <laughs> like there's no, you cannot also, understand what is effective for your firm yeah so, and to bring your tired yeah. old ex example back it's essentially when you decide I'm going to hit the entire automotive sector. Yeah, and I'm going to write about whatever seems like a hot topic and I'm chasing it. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. writing about autonomous vehicles, so I do the same. And in theory, I have a strategy business I could advise on it, but what is the actual offering at the end there? What's the actual funnel towards mm -hmm. the offering? If you don't have that, you can never put guardrails in place. I think we, we made that point, right? So you have yes. you, can't, you can never hope to have a good handle on what's relevant and what's to the clients and what's helpful to your business if you don't have that model. Okay, sixth level, we called it here in the notes, the uncharted path, absence of client journey design, right? Okay, that goes to the that goes into the fifth point. I probably, sorry, we mushed those two together. Yeah, so, mix it okay. up, yeah. Yes, you can't understand what's effective because there's no model. Why is there a model? Because you have not designed the buyer, buyer experience. Yeah. Yes, so now seventh is then searching in the dark. Why did you not design the buying experience? Because you don't have insights. And why do you because... write about the autonomous vehicles? Because you don't know what these guys really care about. Yeah, you're not speaking to the <laughs> clients, or at least you're not yeah. speaking to the people who are speaking to the clients, and you decide this is what you need, and this doesn't make yeah. any sense. You or, should... or yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but if you do listen to this podcast and you do speak to the practice regularly, there's still the risk of that these your colleagues, they do speak to the clients, but they speak to two of them. So speaking to... The automotive industry example, if they speak to Jaguar and if they speak to Volkswagen, that's not the entire market. And yep. remember, these clients are clients already. So if you probably don't have much insight into what Chinese OEMs are considering as important, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. the idea there, right? So you need actual client insights from actual clients and actual prospects. And when you don't have that, you're pretty much adrift without a compass because 
you don't have a strategy. You're just like shooting in the dark using your old. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you did get into this earlier. You're throwing things at the wall, but you don't even see yeah. if it hits or not. Throw things against the wall to throw them against the wall. Now, again, I, and I will stick with the automotive example, which might be boring to listen, but let's work it because it does work. You're right. We can't have the client insight because we don't have a strategy. We haven't made the strategic decisions. And I cannot interview the entire automotive industry to figure out yeah. what everybody thinks. It's way too large an ocean and i can't boil it because limited resources so that's the eighth and second to last level and then we are at the actual cause if you don't have a strategy you can never hope to actually build client insight because you haven't done the segmentation you don't know who the ideal client is you don't you haven't decided on which the ideal client issues are you want yeah. to focus on right if you have done if you have not done that the only way to get the client insights is to interview everybody forever and you're never done and that doesn't work right so no client insight usually caused by absence of strategy and then why absence of strategy that's the ninth point do you want to take it or i don't know no, i think you can go into like basically yeah people don't really understand marketing's role and this is quite a problem because you just look at its function in terms of like delivering certain things that you and materials that you need to help with your sales or you basically look at it as a cost center you look at it not in a strategic way but much more of a i need things to look pretty i need you to dress me up so i can impress my client if you want to put it in that kind of metaphor yeah which is and not I mean, exactly how it is because you are relying on it like there's a reason why sales and marketing was one function for a long time before it got split in the last hundred years or so yeah, and I mean, they, we feels like we're talking about similar things or the same things again and again in this podcast, but I, I do think it's appropriate because it's still true and it still needs to be talked about until we fix it. This causal chain of events might not be true in every firm, right, as we laid it out yeah. just here, but I do run into it a lot. So I would say it's a typical one. Okay, maybe there is selection bias in the types of firms I work with, or maybe there there is, right? But, but this is a typical one. And so maybe I go through again from, or we can go from bottom to top as a yeah. recap, right? So if you misunderstand marketing's role, if you have it, as we put it in another episode, only look after the promotion P in the four P's of marketing. It's a service and a cost center essentially owning the website and designing flyers, if that's your understanding, then you will likely not have a decent marketing strategy, right? Tough decisions are not being made. That then means you've painted yourself in a corner where it's not possible to find true client insight, strategic insight, which help you to then really understand clients' needs and their journey towards a solution. So you can't do client journey design. You can't come up with a mm -hmm. path to something and you can't come up with the offering which will be the something at that end to actually sell yeah. which then means you you can't ever gauge the effectiveness of your marketing because if i don't have something to sell how am i supposed to measure how good i am at selling there's no yeah this is where we throw stuff against the wall and then the metaphor ends if you can't do that then of course it's very difficult to establish guard rights in the terms of these are the three topics we need to talk about forever Mm -hmm. If you are to crank that machine, we just built this business development engine, right? Our buying experience. And without those guardrails, you know, content creation, marketing in general feels like guesswork. It feels like... It's very inefficient, effort. basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's lots of guesswork, 
little standards, no potential for repurposing, reusing all these efficiency boosters, right? That means you don't do enough of it. And I think, sorry, I meant to call that out earlier, but if you look at the stats from, again, Dream Data keeps putting them out, right? Oh, yeah. In their attribution software, how long does it take in B2B? What's the buying journey? How many touches, right? 30 plus touches, 130 days. So if, if you're not able to create these 30 plus touches because you only ever post on LinkedIn once a month, right? Good luck out there in a world that's increasingly full of firms who do better than yours. So, and then at the end, of course, right, the result is low marketing performance, or maybe we should have that lower than expected marketing performance. We're not saying you're not getting any results, but probably you don't get as many as you'd like to see given other benchmarks or the targets the firm ownership has set for themselves or whatever that is, right? That would be yeah. the chain of events that you have it. And if you are experiencing sort of drop-offs in what you're trying to do, maybe move up or down this list and see, yeah, find the flaw as we title the episode. See if you can fix it. That's it. That's all we had. I think actually. that's a, I think that's what we've got a good one here. Yeah, I believe Short this episode. is since we are yeah. since we are not quite at the time, do we want to address the weird titling and obscure season numbering again <laughs> for this purpose? Uh, I don't know because I know some of our listeners care, but I will say that Flo, you're responsible for the season numbers because I'm basically God, like, yeah. hey, I don't really understand what this numbering is, but I go so, with it. In terms of title, let's be honest. This is way more Gonzo and Gorilla. We're not. We know our SEO. We could do clickbait titles. We could do all of that. But here's the thing: we want to talk to you honestly and openly. And just the whole purpose of this entire podcast was because we enjoyed talking about marketing, enjoyed talking about how it could be fixed, and wanted to invite people who we and now you listeners can learn from doing doing this in a high value marketing kind of way sort of beats the purpose of why we go. So for context, we've had commentary here and there saying that our titles are sort of saying everything and nothing, not very SEO friendly. The numbering of episodes is a bit obscure, so it's hard to refer other people to the specific episode. You, can, you can't say, oh, check out their episode 103 on this and that. <laughs> you have to say, head over to S22E4 obscure title and people have pointed out to me that doesn't help the marketing of this podcast so let me say a to all of you thank you for listening regardless yes <laughs> right? you're actually you know Flo, thank uh, you for that we here's the it. thing we'll say if you guys actually want us to do that we'll do it you know what fine we'll do it because we yeah, because right now we're putting this out and we're really grateful for all of your you know audience yeah. and listening and everything so we will definitely you know change that if you request that or if you say that you know because at the end of the day if it was just for us we probably wouldn't even be putting this out anymore yeah and (laughs) i mean maybe i'll cave in and and we change it but honestly the legit reason and you already described it this was a hobby project from the start and writing seo clickbaity seo optimized titles and having very easy to follow and transact pieces of content out there is in my entire life so believe it or not i do enjoy and i like irony as a form of humor the fact that our marketing podcast is in terms of technical tactical marketing for sure 
not the most optimized no, <laughs> thing out there. It's not quite. You might argue, and you would not be wrong to say it's actually yeah. the opposite. <laughs> and I do take quite a bit of joy from that fact. Also, I do like to think, and maybe I'm wrong, that some listeners actually enjoy us not being sort of hard on the pitch and you know if yeah. you do this it's wrong last opportunity reserve your seat pricing ends tomorrow that type of stuff we do none of that we are maybe not the easiest to find and break into but then hopefully helpful that's how i like to think about this tiny project here which has been going on for coming to two years now two and, two and, and a half years, years. Two and half years yeah. nearly wow yeah so i will consider it a success because i want to um <laughs> That's finally all we have for today. So thanks everybody yeah. for listening. Have a great weekend eventually. Or enjoy and, the summer uh, if you're listening. If you're listening to this while you're at a beach somewhere or a hotel somewhere, I have no idea what to say other than thank you for listening, but maybe also enjoy yeah. your holiday. Enjoy the summer. I hope it's not too hot or whatever. Yeah. And I will stop the recording here. Have a good one, Ash, eventually. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us.